Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. So my co-host is Amy Bird. My co-host Todd Pruitt is here with me today, and we're missing we're missing one of one of our team. He is reflecting quietly in another room. Here we're trying to kick off a day of podcast recordings, and Carl's still working on his quiet time. He is actually work we're covering for him. Uh, the truth is that Carl has recently finally had those hair plugs put in, <laughs> and um, he's in quite a bit of pain. He can't put on the headset uh, because his uh, forehead is so sensitive. But any, <laughs> you know, within months, he is going to have a full head of lush black hair, we and we're excited to the for the debut. Him. We are excited. We'll I have him. a party. Yeah, it's going to be very symmetrical for a while because of the way they do those plugs. <laughs> but but after a couple of years, apparently it looks kind of natural, kind of like after you plant a lawn, it takes a couple of seasons before it looks natural. Same thing with what top of Carl's head is going to look like. But so, uh, yeah, right now he's really uh, meditating and praying on right. the results for yeah. that and yeah. asking the Lord to to help with that mm-hmm. issue. And so yeah. that, you know, Todd and I thought, well, that's a good topic to talk about, really, is is the whole idea of our quiet times. Yes, yes. So the question I have is, and, and what's often connected to this, is what does it take, really, to be godly? Because this is, this is how I was instructed as a young person. Quiet time was a, you do this, or your spiritual life is going to swirl the drain. And so I heard the term quiet time every week, all the time, growing up. Now, that in and of itself, isn't a problem. It's just that I think what became problematic for me growing up is that there was such guilt associated with it. And so I can tell you that I I heard, you know, when I was a teenager in in church youth group, I, I remember hearing, you know, if you didn't have your quiet time today, you left God waiting in your room. You left him all alone. Lonely. And when you go home this afternoon, he's going to still be waiting there for you. He missed you. And, I, you know, I'm still scarred from that. But I mean, I, I remember <laughs> hearing that. Real. I remember hearing that. And, and I got to tell you, as a youth intern, then as, as a young youth minister, I remember using some of that same terminology. Mm-hmm. I'm embarrassed to say, but, but that's what I knew. That's that's what I'd been told is that God is waiting there for you in your bedroom when you get up. And <laughs> if you don't have your quiet time with him. You abandoned him. You left him alone, and he really missed you today. Mm-hmm. And you're not putting him first, right? That's what I was right. told too. Yes, if absolutely. that's not the first. And, and what do you think this term "quiet time" came from? And mm-hmm. I mean, we were talking a little bit before the podcast of the, the verse "Be still, right. and know that I'm God." Right. Uh, and so you have to get quiet, right? I, I think I know when I was growing up, it was very much you know, look at what Jesus did when he, you know it was still early in the morning. He went out you know to pray, and so therefore you ought to do the same. You ought to do the same thing. And so it's the idea of we've we've got to get quiet. But I I think attached to that also is a misunderstanding of what needs to happen in our one-on-one, if you like, one-on-one time with the Lord. And so just, you know, get really quiet, do your deep breathing exercises, center yourself, draw a circle, whatever you have to do (laughs) to get real quiet, and then listen. Mm -hmm. listen. Well, that's, yeah, I wanted to share, actually, because... 
I don't know if if men have the same kind of expectation on their quiet time, but for women, it it really there's this sense of you're going to quiet yourself and have this peaceful moment and then hear from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking up and you know right away I got some resources on how to do a quiet time. And here's some of the, the things they say. Begin your devotional time by quieting yourself. Take a few deep breaths and become still. Some people light a candle or say nice. a simple prayer. Then read a short passage in the Bible. Short passage mm, in the Bible. Keep it short. <laughs> Keep it simple, stupid. Don't, don't crowd <laughs> up no your time, quiet time with all that Bible. <laughs> and, and maybe some additional reading like the daily bread or the upper room. And then at the end of your reading time, be silent and wait to see what words, feelings or images mm. rise in your heart or tug at your thoughts. Notice what situations or people come to mind. Consider how the words or images connect with your life. Then pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you to see what God may be saying to you through what you have read, thought, and felt. Namaste. (laughs) Yeah. And then say a prayer asking God to help you follow the guidance you have received. Yeah. Yeah. And to be with the people who came to mind during your reading and reflection. Right. Yeah. So that's the Jesus calling, basically, the Jesus calling style of quiet time. I think that's why that book was so popular. Absolutely. You use a little bit of Bible so that you can actually get to Mm -hmm. where God speaks to you, which is. Which is the actual point of quiet time. Exactly. Exactly. The Bible just is kind of a launching pad to get you in a mood or in in an emotional state, a spiritual state, so that then you can hear. Mm-hmm. from God because being in his word and actually hearing from God are are two different things that yeah. that's how the you thinking need the launching goes. pad of the word right. but so it's it's Sarah Young saying I had the Bible but I needed more mm-hmm. and so and that's really the message that you're supposed to carry with you for the day then right is what you heard from what the Lord you heard in your inner self and it's authoritative apparently so I mean if it's God speaking to you then it's by nature authoritative yeah so so th- that brings to mind all kinds of questions. And again, that's kind of, you know, what I heard um, growing up. You know, you, you have a quiet time. You pray so that you can get quiet and hear from God. Now, you know, my question is, what, is, what does that mean exactly? And, and, and that's where it becomes troubling because you almost feel like you're an apostate from broad popular evangelicalism if you anyhow question that the point of prayer is to be real quiet and, and listen to what then God says to you. Right. That's just the assumption that that's what it's about. As though, as though, what do you have that Bible for? Is that not God's voice? If, if you've been in the Bible this morning, then you've heard from God. Mm-hmm. That's God speaking to you. If you want to hear an audible voice, then read it out loud. <laughs> you know? Well, and I think too, do you think or agree with me that, Quiet time has often been held up as your actual relationship with the Lord, right. your actual sanctification. Right. That is 100% what you're doing. And it's yeah. disconnected from the preached word. Right. On Sunday morning, it's kind of like your thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that always trumps the ordinary means of grace that God has given to his church. Your personal experience, your thing, the thing that you and Jesus like what do. What really matters right. is your quiet time. Right. The thing that you and Jesus do while the, while the dew is still on the roses. <laughs> right. That's the thing that really matters in your relationship with God. And I mean, honestly, that, that's not 
that's not extrapolating something there. That's that's basically what I learned growing up. And mm-hmm. and I didn't grow up in a charismatic church, but that's kind of you know where it really comes down is your time with God. You don't need another sermon. You need mm-hmm. you need that that time alone. So how would you say then? Um, because we're not saying that we shouldn't do our devotions. Heavens no. So how then would we connect better? to being a part of a covenant community, um, sitting under the means of grace on Sunday morning, and then going back home for the week. You know, you might be doing something midweek with your church, Mm -hmm. but with your devotional time. Right. Right. So we clearly, I I I hope to be clear on this, is that we really believe that time alone in prayer and time alone in God's word is a really good thing. You know, the pendulum kind of has to swing, you know, so I I remember coming out of the whole have a quiet time and hear from God or you're an awful human being and God's really lonely. So you come out of that and then the pendulum swings the opposite direction and and it almost becomes a, a badge of Christian maturity that, hey, listen, I've gone two years without a quiet time. Isn't that awesome? Well, what we what we want to say is, look, God's given us his his word. He's given us the privilege of prayer. I do hope and I do endeavor to be in his word every day, but hopefully what we're doing is that we're seeking the Lord in prayer. We're seeking the Lord in his word, but not as disconnected individuals. I never read the Bible like I'm able to read it detached from 2000 years of the communion of saints and, and the most immediate connection to my church. When I read the Bible by myself, I'm never actually reading it by myself, reading it as a part of a Christian community that has a real history and a real presence in my life weekly and and really daily. So yes, be in the word every day. And that's when God speaks to you. Get quiet. Sometimes we need to be quiet, (laughs) especially I would, I would imagine if you're a mom with young kids, it'd be great if you can find some time at some point to be quiet. That's good for your soul. Sometimes though, that guilt's really hard on a mom who is trying to carve out that quiet time, you know, and sometimes you can't, do it and that's and the point is is that's okay Mm -hmm. so we're not saying somehow you're automatically a hindu if you ever get quiet that's not what we're saying what we are saying I i think is that this expectation that i can somehow center myself and breathe in the right way and then read a couple of verses but not too much so i don't get distracted with the bible but then really quiet down so that i can then hear the voice of god um that's that's a concept that's foreign to the New Testament. Um, and okay, so here's another question. There's different ways you could go about doing your devotions. I mean, yes. so some people do use something like a daily bread. Um, I know one thing that our church offers, our pastor puts devotions on our bulletin that are related to the sermon for the mm-hmm. week. That is a great idea. A great, idea. great way for the preached word to continue to shape you throughout the week. Yep. Some people do a Bible reading plan. You mm-hmm. know, it might not be this devotional thing where they have another book with them. They just, they, they're going through the Bible. Right. They're, they're chugging along mm-hmm. in a year and reading through scripture every year. One thing I like to do, I like that one. I like them all, but one thing I like to do is to find a good commentary right. and, um, you know, spend some time digging a little deeper and yeah. study in a certain book of scripture. Right. And we do that precisely because we know and believe that God speaks to us by means of his word. Mm-hmm. And, just going back to that whole point of we learn how to read and understand the Bible individually 
through the good and faithful preaching of God's word. Right. And that's part of the problem because we know that in so many churches, that's actually not what's happening. Mm -hmm. One of the things I know that I hope is being accomplished each week as I preach is that in addition to God speaking to his people through the proclaimed word, he's also training them to be good and faithful readers of Mm -hmm. the Bible themselves. That certainly should be one of the good benefits of, of good preaching is that God's people are being trained Mm -hmm. during that time that when they do pick up the word during the week, they are better readers and understanding of God's word. Well, here's another kind of related question to this whole quiet time deal. Sometimes, and even in the um, website that I was just looking at, they suggest that you get a buddy, you know, and hold you accountable. Or one thing I notice a lot in the language in the church and evangelicalism is um, who disciples you? Right. Or will you disciple me? And so then these quiet time moments kind of become part of a discipling one-on-one thing. Yes. What do you think about that? Well, so my my caution there is that I have, quote unquote, my quiet time because I know that this guy is going to ask me about it later. Now, sometimes a little bit of external motivation is a good thing in a lot of areas of our of our lives. Having been raised in that kind of environment, I, I just want to guard against the kind of legalism that can easily spring up in that. It's not automatically wrong if a friend asks a friend, hey, were you able to spend time? in God's word today, or, or did you get some time, some good time in prayer this week? That can be a good, that can be a good thing. I, I meet with a couple of elders, a couple of ruling elders, at least once a month for lunch. And one of the things we talk about is, Hey, listen, how, how are things going just in your own personal private life where no one sees? Are you able to get some good time in prayer? Are you able to get some good time in God's word? That's helpful. That's good. But let again, let's keep in mind that the first and primary place where the discipling of God's people goes on is within the covenant community, with the gathered fellowship of God's people. And I would also say at home as well, don't rule out your dinnertime conversation as a great devotional mm, time. Yeah, that's, that's what know. I've always found to be one Absolutely. of the best. Absolutely. So, yeah, so please hear us. And again, we've said it, but having been a pastor for a while, I know you have to say things five times. Um, (laughs) Personal relationships where we pour into each other's life, good thing. I hope you have those. Have somebody in your life who you can pour into. Have somebody in your life who maybe can pour into your life. Those are great things. Spend time in the Word. Spend time in prayer. But these things all happen, kind of orbit around our life within the body of Christ and the ordinary means of grace that God has given to his church. And it's not the other way around. So I hope that all of God's people will prioritize time in, in God's word, time in prayer. But I also hope you know that we don't do these things because unless we do, God really missed us today or your day will go really great if you have a quiet time, but because we love God's word and we love God and and uh, we pray. And, and if you want to hear from God, open his word. And so those are very, very good things. But remember, remember what those things are and, and don't expect them to be what they're not. There are some really good, as Amy's mentioned already, there are some really great things out there to read. There's great Bible reading plans. 
I think it's a good thing to set as a goal to read through the Bible. I love Amy's idea of finding a good commentary. There's all kinds of commentaries. There's technical commentaries, but there's also some really good popular level commentaries. And pastoral ones. Absolutely. I mean, one, you know, we did an entire program on Christopher Ashe's commentary on Job. So those kinds of things are great for lay people to get a hold of and do an in-depth study through a book of the Bible. Those are wonderful things. We're featuring a terrific book by the great Puritan Matthew Henry called A Method for Prayer. And uh, if you'll go to our website, mortificationofspin.org, you can uh, enter to win a copy of A Method for Prayer. I can tell you, it's a great book. If you haven't read A Method for Prayer, you'll find this to be a really good encouragement for your prayer life. It's a corrective to some goofy notions about what prayer is, but a very, very warm invitation, pastoral invitation to pray, to pray well. And so um, you can go to our website and enter to win a copy of A Method for Prayer uh, from Matthew Henry. Also, there is a website connected to this that I think you'll find very helpful. And again, another perhaps great aid for just personal devotional time. It's uh, You can get there through a methodforprayer.org or matthewhenry.org. It'll take you to the same place. And daily readings and uh, meditations for prayer and through scripture, as well as a lot of resources to help you there that I think you'll, uh, that I think you'll find very helpful. I think we're also going to try to give away some photos of Carl with his new hair plugs. Oh, good. It's going to be very good. good. Now, they're a little bloody right now, mm-hmm. but I think that just adds to the whole mystique of the thing. Carl, we did miss you today. I mean, I feel like I have to say that, yeah. you know, I mean, did we really miss? Him? Right. Yeah. So, um, Carl, you were missed today by some folks, I'm sure. But we will look forward to having you back. And, uh, you know, if you've got extra cash laying around, feel free to, to, to make a <laughs> donation to Mortification of Spin. We are a listener supported podcast. And if you find what we do uh, valuable or useful here, we'd love for you to uh, to be able to help keep it going. Well, for my co-host, Amy Bird, this is Todd Pruitt signing off from the secret bunker far away from the prying eyes of big evangelicalism. We look forward to being with you next time on Mortification of Spin. Well, we do have a special treat for faithful Mortification of Spin listeners. Some of you may or may not know that um, I have a dream, a dream to be a, a singer and um the special treat is uh, we have a little recording here of a special song. I think it really highlights um, the strength of my singing voice, and uh, you'll get to listen to it today. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. To read more on hard-hitting topics like this, visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org, where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation. 
And be sure to listen next time when Carl, Todd, and Amy talk about... Perhaps we could start by giving us giving us a definition of, of what exactly is biblical counseling. What's y'all's understanding, therefore, of, of the sufficiency of Scripture? Preaching is... Uh, it's one-way communication, unless you create context later for the interaction. So what role do you see um, biblical counseling playing in the local church? Like, what kind of relationship? What would you recommend to a pastor who is thinking, gosh, you know, every time someone has a problem, we outsource it? That interview is next time. Join us then. Am I good with my microphone here? How's this, Michael? Look at me. <laughs> I was Todd's doing such an overachiever. I was doing it right from the very pet. beginning. Just don't tag it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just hang on. <laughs> boom, 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 boom.